And as far as I know right now from what the Lord is speaking to me, we are going to be entering into a group of teachings um, focusing on the love of God and its necessity in our lives and its power in our lives. And I have been accused in times past of speaking too much about the love of God. But honestly, beloved, we have two choices in life. We can look at the problem and how big the devil would like us to believe he is, which he is not. Or we can look at the solution that God gives and understand how big he is in our lives. And he tells us that love is the greatest of all. So if he tells us that love is the greatest of all, I think I have a lot to learn. And it probably means that you have a lot to learn. If it's the greatest, it means that we could probably never spend too much time understanding the love of God in our lives. Um, I certainly haven't learned everything. And so we're going to be on a journey together in the next weeks, if it continues, as I believe the Lord's going to direct. But... Anyway, he warns us, and this is a very serious, a very serious warning. In Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13, it says, Because of the increase of the wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So, beloved, this does not say, it says, okay, because of the increase of wickedness. Are we in a time where there's an increase of wickedness? Yes, we're definitely in a time where there's an increase of wickedness. And he says, during that time, because of that increase, it says the love of most will go cross. It doesn't say just a few. It doesn't say many. It says most. So if we learn the love, right, so that it doesn't go grow cold in us, it tells me that we are going to be protected from the wickedness and the increase of the wickedness that is all around us. So, and it says, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So this tells me that love is the key to every single battle. Every single battle Love is the key. And it tells us that even though the love of most will go, grow cold because of the wickedness, that he who stands firm is going to be saved. Well, we're going we're to stand firm through the love. We're going to stand firm through God's love. So, in the first part of our study today... Uh, we're going to come to grips with an age-old issue uh, that Paul wrote about, and he wrote about it in Romans 7, verses 15 through 25, and that age-old issue of sinning when we don't want to sin, doing something that we know we don't want to do, and yet we do. So we're, we're going we're gonna to discuss that, and we're going to conquer that, because we're going to find out why and how. So anyway, in verse 15, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. 
And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Because the law shows us, right? The law shows us what sin is and obviously what we don't want to do. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. Okay, that's a key clause. Because when you receive Christ, are you redeemed from the sinful nature? Yes. That is in my sinful nature. So thank the Lord that in Christ, when we're born again, we receive his nature. We receive a whole new nature. We receive the infusing of the spirit of Christ into our very spirit. Do you understand how big that is? How, how amazingly awesome that is? And that is, what is the spirit of God? It is his love, and it overcomes every enemy. It overcomes every enemy. Back to the scripture. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I, see that word there? I cannot carry it out. So we have the love nature. We have the spirit of the life of Christ dwelling in us once we become born again. But none of us can carry this out in our own strength. We can't carry this out in our flesh because flesh is at enmity with the spirit, right? I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Okay, evil will always be speaking in your ear. The devil will always try to be speaking in your ear. But you have a new born-again spirit able to resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee, but you're not doing it in your flesh. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Because we do not have to listen to the devil or demonic influences. For in my inner being, what is your inner being? Your new nature, right? Your new nature for those who are born again. For in my inner being, the Spirit of the Lord, right? The indwelling Lord. I delight. See what your inner being does? I delight in God's law. In your inner being. You delight in God's law. That's where the Spirit of Christ is in us. But I see another law at work in the members of my body. Okay, that's the old man, the physical, the carnal. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. Hallelujah. Christ came to set us free from the law of sin and death. And what did we get in its place? We've only been talking about this for like a month. What did we get in, in place 
of the law of sin and death. Yeah. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the new ruling spirit in you. Where, where does Christ exist? Okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to ask y'all to be responsive. Where does Christ exist? Where is Christ? See, that's the thing we need to get a hold of. We don't want to say he's just there, even though he's there, with the Father at the right hand. He's in us. Do you think when he's in you that he brings you his loving power, his strength, his fruit? Yes. Okay. Making me a prisoner to the law of sin and death at work within the members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Did you all hear the question? What's the answer? Jesus. Jesus is our rescuer. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. So when we get to know Jesus, we are so in love with Jesus. When we understand his love for us, we fall so in love with him that our hearts change and we just have this great pleasure within us to obey his truth because Jesus is the truth, right? Hallelujah. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So we now have the law of life in Christ Jesus, and it has set us free from the law of sin and death. And we're going to learn how to uh, submit to that. So this is an age-old old problem. Don't, don't think that just because sometimes you sin, you have a problem that's different, and every other Christian in the world is better than you. And they do better than you. You know, and there are these super Christians that never sin. No, excuse me. We all have this battle. This is a battle we all deal with. And, and through the love of God, we can conquer this battle. We win this battle. So today we're going to come to an understanding of, of why this happens and how to resolve it because it's a conflict in all of our lives and it does not make you a bad person. To deal with this struggle does not make you a bad person. It does not redefine you as a sinner. Um, it does not make you a sinner unworthy of God's grace. Okay? But what the scripture tells us, here, here's a, a great hope, Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not be your master. Okay, that's the end conclusion. That's your destiny. Sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, a lot of preachers, a lot of counselors, a lot of recovery groups, and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not slamming them because the principles that are taught are important principles as far as they go. Um, but they teach that we overcome sin by an act of our will. We overcome sin by a resolve that we make to act in a new way. And that's important. 
we, we, we want to resolve to do things God's way, right? We, we, we need that resolve. But that in and of, us, of itself is not going to be sufficient to enable us to do that. Human resolve is not the power of God, okay? Human resolve is not the power of God. But as a born-again Christian, you have the power of God. You have Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And he has called us to walk in power. So, we, you know, we often hear this, this uh, saying. It says if you change an activity or a behavior for 10 days, you know, a, a bad habit that you have, you change it for 10 days, and then you're going to develop a new habit, right? Okay, so that may be true. And, and I'm not saying that's bad. But the issue there is you've affected a behavior, but we haven't purified a heart, okay? And we need, yes, we need a new habit, but we don't just need a new habit. We need a purified heart, and then that's what the action comes out of, okay? Um, so it's the, it, the, the philosophy behind resolutions, it's identify that sin, and, and they define sin as that bad act. I'm going to tell you that's not the definition of sin. That it is not the definition of sin. Um, so we resolve to eradicate it from our lives. That's a good thing. We set our will against it. Okay, that's a good thing. We pray, we fast uh, to overcome. That's a good thing. And, you know, in, a, in apparent agreement with the scriptures, uh, it's always added, don't depend on your own strength. Depend on, pray for God to help you. Well, yeah, we do want to pray to God to help us, don't we? Um, but all of that is mental ascension. It's mental ascension. And we do want to agree, right? We do want to set our minds in agreement not to sin, but we need to go way beyond that, way beyond that. Th the fault to this approach um, to come into mental ascension and, and resolve against our sin focuses our hearts on the sin rather than Christ. Are y'all getting this? Okay. It focuses on our will in the matter. Okay, And even though we're told to depend on God, it really truly is depending on our own will. It's depending on our own resolve. It's depending on our own mental constitution to defeat what is really a spiritual issue. All sin is a spiritual issue. Every sin is a spiritual issue. So what we want to do instead is not focus on our sin, but focus on Christ, who gave us victory over the sin. Okay? Um, so this, this resolve, it may work in, in the immediate. Okay? You might see that habit change, but it won't work long term because it isn't getting to the root and it isn't focused on the source. The source is Christ. And it's also not focused on what you really have in you. It's not focused on your new nature. You have a whole new nature. When you are born again, you have the indwelling, living Christ in you. Okay? And so 
what, what this resolve sort of mentality does is it says, I'm a sinner with a sin problem, and in reality, we are God's beloved. You see that? And we have a new source, which enables us to win every single battle. So, it's good that we recognize sin. The law was given to us so that we would recognize sin. So we definitely want to recognize the sin. But we cannot defeat sin by self-will. That will never ultimately conquer sin. Your self-will will never ultimately conquer sin. Um, this is the mentality I was raised with. And I, I can't, I could probably, I would be a millionaire probably if I, could count every time this was said and it was a dollar. Lisa Marie, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and move on. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, I didn't even wear boots, but <laughs> I didn't <laughs> But I, I, I got what that meant. You know, tough it out, grit your teeth, bear it. Uh, you know, you're strong enough to do this. You're going to, you know, uh, no matter what comes at you in life, you're strong enough. No, 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 that was a really bad philosophy. Don't teach your kids that, that philosophy. Don't teach them that whatever comes and faces them, they can win over it because they're strong. And, you know, no, no, that's being in the power of our own strength. What we need to teach our kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews is Christ in us. His might in us is what helps us overcome every situation. God in us, not me. That's so much pressure. Do you know how much pressure that is? Do you know how that, ha that builds perfectionism in a person? You know, and we aren't perfect. We'll never be perfect in our own flesh. Our perfection comes through Christ. You know? So... So that's a, it's, it, there's a critical difference there, and I, I won't continue to go on about it. But anyway, it's basically what it's saying is sanctification through your works. Sanctification through works and not by faith. Okay? There's a reason we have faith in Christ, and we can trust Christ. And we all need to get to this point in our lives, me included, where the first thing we do when things are difficult, is we trust Christ. And we truly understand what that means. Because our natural inclination is to trust me. You've given me all these abilities, Lord. You've given me this great brain. You've given me blah, 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 blah. But you know what? He wants us to trust him. Trust Jesus. He's so much bigger than you'll ever be in your own strength. So, anyway, this type of resolve mentality, I'll call it that, it's focused on an outward act. Uh, it's looking at an outward act. It's not looking at the inner heart. It's, it's looking at a, a behavior that needs to be changed, but the inner foundation hasn't been changed. And the only outward change that's ever going to last is from an inward change. Um, and so what this resolve mentality does is it produces these whitewash fences. 
the scripture calls them sepulchers, whitewashed tombs. So the, the behavior got changed on the outside, and you look really great. But there's death on the inside. And we don't want to stay there. We're not going to stay there. Every single issue, God has life for that issue in your life. Not death. No disappointment that you ever go through in life has to end in, in inner death. It just doesn't have to be so. God doesn't have it so. God doesn't have it to be that way in your life. And only faith in Christ, trust. When I, uh, today I'm going to use this word over and over and over. Trusting Christ. Faith in Christ. Trusting him with everything in you. Only that will ultimately conquer sin in our lives. Only faith in Christ purifies our hearts. Only faith, only trusting him purifies our hearts. And that's the root. We must be moved by a purified heart, not a mental ascension. So, speaking in, in, of the Gentiles, in Acts 15, 9, Peter said, God who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them, he's talking about the Gentiles here, okay, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us, the Jews. He made no distinction between us and them, listen, for he purified their hearts by faith. He purified their hearts by faith. Trust, faith, purifies your heart. Not you whipping yourself over the head with a billion lashes. Not you picking yourself up by your bootstraps. Your hearts are purified by faith. And only this, only this, allows the true love of God to settle in our hearts, and that's what has to happen. The true love of God has to settle in our hearts. Romans 9, 31 and 32. But Israel who pursued a law of righteousness, listen, has not attained it. Ouch. Yikes. That hurts. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. I'm going to do this thing. I am going to do this thing. I am going to win this battle. You know, and we, we probably even quote the scriptures, don't we? We say, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror. And all of those are true, but it has to come from the proper spot. It has to come from the proper place. Yes, you are a conqueror. Yes, you are. In Christ. You can do all things in Christ. <laughs> Not in yourself. So we all need to be positive, but it's, it's the Christ in us that gives us that hope. Christ's spirit in us truly activates our love for God so then we can Trust him because the Spirit of God, who, who, what is the Spirit of God? What kind of Spirit is it? 
It's love. God is love. He's, he is love. He doesn't just demonstrate love. He just doesn't do acts of love. It is him. <laughs> and that's what comes to live in you when you're born again. So faith in Christ is the only thing that allows us to actually know, to know God's love, his true love for us, and to love as God loved, only by knowing his love for us, can we then love as God loved and consequently defeat sin. That's the only way. The only way. Because our heart will then, because of God's love shed abroad in our heart, it will act in accordance and agreement with the love of God rather than in selfishness. And selfishness is the nemesis of, of mankind. Self. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. See that? Faith, trusting Jesus, expressing itself through love. So let's look more closely at what sin actually is because sin is, not, is, is actually not the wrong act, the bad behavior. That's, that, well, a bad behavior is not good. It's hurtful, right? But the behavior, that bad behavior, that bad act, has an origin, and it's the result of the origin of sin. It's a demonstration of the origin of sin. Am I, am I making that clear? Because sin is not external, it is internal. It is a heart issue. And we see the bad act, the result of the sin, but the sin is the heart issue. Okay? Um, sin originates in an internal source. So by focusing on that outward act, we will never solve anything. Never solve anything. We want a repentant change, a repentant change in our hearts. We want purified hearts. God, purify my heart. Say that. God, pure, I am giving you permission to purify my heart. Now, don't let that scare you, okay? You know, sometimes we're like, oh, what's he going to find? What's he going to do? How's all this going to be? Can I give you a key to that? When you say that, do you know that Jesus actually come, well, he's, he, he lives in you, right? But you, it's you and Jesus doing it together, right? He's right there with you. He doesn't leave you. He never forsakes you. So he's right there. He's right there with you. And he's going to walk that thing out with you. It's you and Jesus together, not just you, okay? So, expressing yourself through love. So, we might avoid a, a bad act, but what constitutes the sin, we still have to deal with in our hearts. Sin is a motivation of the heart behind that act or behavior, okay? Ultimately, ultimately, Sin is a preference for self. 
in, in every situation, it will be a preference for self and what you think is going to solve that self-issue rather than what perhaps Jesus would say about what's going to so- solve that self-preservation issue, that self-issue. And it's always motivated by fear. Always. Fear that you're not going to be taken care of. Fear that you could die as a result of something. It's always motivated by fear. Okay, and that we don't want to work ever from a position of fear. We don't want to stay there. We want to get into the presence of the love of God. Um, because that fear will influence our decisions in wrong ways. So, sin is a, is a motivation to please self, to protect self, to um, benefit self. And it causes us to act in ways that are self-gratifying. Christ never acted in any way that was self-gratifying. Never. Um, it is truly in our hearts. Am I being too tough on y'all today? Okay. <laughs> because it is, it is truly, if we want to call it what it is, it is failure to agree with God. It is choosing to disagree with God. And even Jesus faced this temptation. He faced this temptation when he hung on the cross. Okay? When he hung on the cross, sin was calling out to him. It was saying, Jesus, save yourself. Come down from that cross. You can do it. If you want to, you can do it. Just come on down. Sin was calling his name. And sin will call your name in the very same way. Okay? And he didn't listen. He didn't listen. He chose to act in a different way. He chose to agree with God. He chose your will, God, Your will, God. I will obey you, God. Your will, God. Not mine. Because don't you think he probably had the thought that it would be nice not to be crucified? Do you think he had that thought? And he chose not to go with that thought. He said, your will, your will, your will, your will, your will. Not mine. Not mine. And because of that, he became your Savior. Because of that act of love, he became your road to salvation. He became your opportunity to win every battle. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So his love for God, I'm talking about Jesus, his love for God And his love for us, right? His love for God, his love for us, superseded his love for himself. Right? Superseded his love for himself. And he opened the road to victory for every single one of us. 
He put us on a path of victory once we receive him as our Lord and Savior. The Savior of the world showed us how to love. The Savior of the world showed us how to love. Ultimately, the only thing, the only thing that can change the motivation of sin is the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. The only thing. And when we receive Christ, God sheds his love abroad in our hearts, allowing us to defeat every darkness, every temptation to sin. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out, has been, past tense, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. His love through the Holy Spirit has been given to you. It is your sure foundation. The love of God is the foundation, and we must not move off of the love of God. We cannot. His love shed abroad in our hearts kindles, it kindles our love for him because that's the only way we're going to be able to love him is to know how much he loves us. That's why you got to know his love first. And it kindles our love for him and for others. And it drives out that self-motivation, that selfishness of sin. Because our hearts totally change. They truly change. It becomes our total desire to do his will. Romans 13, 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has, listen, has fulfilled the law. What fulfills the law? The love of God. We can only give it if we first know it. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are all summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Listen. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. When we know the love of God and we, wa- and we love him back, you have to do that first before you can ever love anybody else. We are fulfilling every law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So scripture here is telling us that love fulfills every law. We need the law to show us the darkness, right? We need the law to to make us aware of the sin, but we depend on Jesus for the light, to shed light and eradicate the darkness. And in verse 12 here it says, I believe, this is what it says in reality, that love is the armor of light in our lives. 
That's what it's just been talking about. And then it says, put on the armor of light. So to me, that's saying that love is the armor of light. And this love can only become active in our lives when we first understand how much God loves us, the extent to which he went and will always be for us. Never leaving you, never forsaking you. No matter what you do. No matter what you do. We can never love God and we can never love others until we know in our hearts how much he loves us. Because his love for us is the only thing that will ever change the motivation of our hearts. The infilling of his love, the shedding of his love abroad into our hearts is the event, the event, the, the, the. Did I say the? Did I say the? Good. <laughs> the event that transforms our hearts, listen, into his heart. Do you believe? And I want you to ask yourself this seriously. Do you believe that your heart can be transformed into his heart? Good. You need to believe that. You must believe that. You must believe that. That your heart can be transformed into the heart of God. You must believe that. It's critical. So, we cannot eradicate selfishness by our own will. To love God first and others next is only, only wrought by a heart change. To love God others, to love God first and others next is only wrought by a heart change. And that can only come by faith in Christ. What is faith in Christ? It means holy trusting him. No matter what the situation, trusting Christ wholly without reservation is the only way. The very spirit of Christ living in us when we trust him, when we trust him, when we have faith in him and him alone, not in our own skills, not in our own capacities, not in our own uh, no wisdom or, or whatever, but in his, not in our own ability to change ourselves. It can only come by relationship relationship with Christ here relationship with Christ okay of course what are we going to do we're to build that relationship yes we're going to read the word we're going to pray we're going to fast we're going to do all these things but ultimately all that is only to build the relationship with Christ to understand him better to know his love better to become more aware of his love and the dimensions of his love and the the character of his love for us. This is our salvation. This is truly our salvation. The love of God infusing our very spirits by God's grace through faith. That's what happens when you're born again, and then we walk it out. 
And when this gets a hold of us, it changes everything about the way we look at the world. This will give you so much compassion for the world. You won't be able but to walk in the love of God. So we receive this new love. We receive this love of God, and you walk it out by the power of the Holy Spirit not by your own, because Holy Spirit is what? You know, all these scriptures, you know, they, there's a reason they're all put in the Bible, and they all work together, you know? Because it says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what? Is the testimony of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is constantly going to be testifying Jesus to your spirit. And when that happens, you're being directed by the Lord. You see that? the testimony of Jesus directing you. And he'll always direct you in, in, in the manner of God's love. So knowing God's love is your armor of light. It is your shield. It is the, okay, think about an armor. Okay, every single dart of the enemy that tries to get through that armor will fall to the ground, right? You have a shield of faith. You have a shield about you, okay? So it is an armor. It is an armor. It is an armor. So knowing God's love for you is your armor. It is your, it is your best weapon, your strongest weapon of warfare. Y'all aren't tired of hearing this yet today, are you? Good, because you're going to have weeks and weeks and weeks. But this is an armor that will quench every evil dart of the enemy. It is your salvation. This is your salvation. Hallelujah. Because when you know, his God, when you know God's love for you, you cannot help but love him back. And when you love him back, you fulfill the law, and then his good pleasure will reign in you. Okay? His good pleasure rather than sin is going to be what's working in you at that point. You get that? Not your own resolutions, not your own mental ascensions, not your own picking yourself up by your bootstraps, because you have a new heart. You have a new heart in you that cannot resist the heart of God. He speaks to you spirit to spirit. And your heart cannot resist him. 1 John 5, 2-5. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God. So we love him by knowing his love. Okay, By loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God to obey his commands. His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes, that has overcome the world, even our faith. So who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So God is telling us right here, that his love in us overcomes the world, every sin influence that it offers. 
It's telling you that right there in that scripture. And this love operates by faith. What is faith? It is trusting Jesus. It is trusting Jesus. Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but, how, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Okay, I'm going to explain something really critical to you about this scripture. Because this verse is not, it is not telling you, as many claim, that you must work out your own salvation. It's not telling you that at all. Could not be any further from the truth. And yet, people use this scripture all the time to say that very thing. And this, if, if we believed that, it would go against everything that Paul preached. It would go against everything in the scripture. It would go against the word of God, if that's really what it was saying. It is not telling you to work out your salvation. It is telling you that God is the one in you who works in you to accomplish his will so that you may act according to his good pleasure. Do you see the difference? Did, did you already know that? Because if you didn't already know that, I would have thought that there would have been a much bigger reaction in this church. Because this is the best news you could ever get. You do not have to work out your own salvation. God comes into you to change your will, to do, and do his will in you, so that the changed heart in you acts according to his good pleasure. Because your will is totally changed. But it's not something that you do of your own accord. It is the Holy Spirit working in you. I'm glad I have a God who loves me that much. And he says, you know what, Lisa Marie? You do not need to do this on your own. I'm here. I'm, I'm the one. I am going to be doing this in you. Just, just, just put yourself in my hands. I'm glad I have a God that loves me that much. Instead of saying, what did you not do today? What more can you do tomorrow? I am so glad I have a God that doesn't talk to me that way. I am so glad. So, how does God work in you? Always and only through his love, which is only sustained through faith in Christ. Do you remember the scripture that says that he speaks to you in ways of peace? Well, his peace is an extension of his love. And that's what he has for you. 
That's how he speaks to you. Hallelujah. So I'm going to look at a few more scriptures confirming that trusting Christ alone is the only thing that defeats self-motivation, the self-motivation of sin in our lives. So we, we've already discussed Galatians 5, 6, right? Galatians 5, 6, and it says that faith works by love. That's key. Remember that for every scripture that we read. Faith works by love. Faith works by love. Faith works by love. Okay? Ephesians 6:16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. How does that how's that shield going to work? Yep. With which you can extinguish, listen, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It doesn't say some of them. It says all of them. Every single one. 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. How does faith work? Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So these scriptures tell us that we are called to love, to know God's love, to love him back, then to love others. If faith works by love, then we can only truly take hold of eternal life, the spirit of life of Christ Jesus, the hope that we have been given, We can only truly take hold of that by a heart transformed into the love of God. And y'all have already confessed earlier that you believe that your heart can be transformed into God's heart. So this is a no-brainer. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 1.24 So it's only by faith, working through love, that we stand against every temptation to sin. That's the only way. 2 Corinthians, knowing you are loved. 2 Corinthians 1.24. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because it is by faith that you stand firm. Only by faith, faith working by love, you will stand firm against every temptation of sin. Faith works by love. We can only stand firmly through love. So every victory over sin is by keeping focused on Christ, who is the image of God, who is love. Now, just so you know, (laughs) love is the most important thing, right? But it doesn't make you a doormat. I'm no doormat. If someone comes up to me and it doesn't agree with the word, they've got a fight on their hands. I don't don't agree. Jesus didn't agree with what was going on in the temple. But everything he did was out of a heart of love. Right? Right? I just want to make that clear. Every, so every victory over sin is by keeping focused on Christ, who is the image of God, who is love, and the only way to know God's love and win the battle is to truly trust. Trust, 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 trust. His way, not our way. 
depend on him. We've established that every victory over sin is by facing Christ. And when we focus on the sin and we fight against up it by that bad act, we take our focus off of trusting Christ and we work in our own flesh. Flesh will never defeat flesh. Only the spirit will defeat flesh, which is selfishness. So fighting in our flesh, depending on ourselves, truly is rejecting Christ. When we depend on ourselves, we are truly rejecting Christ and his grace in us and his love in us. His spirit is all love, nothing but love, not just a demonstration of love, and nothing but God's love in us, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, will ever defeat sin. We must wholly reject self-dependence. We must wholly learn to trust in Christ. And, you know, this is very, very hard for us as humans to do. We're very logical, aren't we? We're logical. We, we, we like to think things through. So sometimes the way we want to do something is at odds with the way that Christ would do something. And it's very hard for us. And we go to him and we say, well, didn't you tell me to, uh, you know, use my brain? Or didn't you tell me this? Or didn't you tell me that? And we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is critical. The Spirit of Christ in you is critical. Our entire culture is based on independence. It's hard to get away from. Our culture thrives and idolizes self-dependence. How many of you, when you have to depend on someone else's health, equate that with weakness? Come on, y'all are lying. Y'all are lying. I know that there are times in your life and you are like, man, I'm dependent too much on, on that thing. I'm a weak individual. And that's why we can't trust God because of that mentality. And we honestly need to get rid of that. And if help comes in the form of another person, so be it. Don't steal their blessing. If the Lord has sent an angel to you in the form of a person to help you in a situation, do not steal their blessing by denying their help. If you really want to get real about it. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is to accept someone else that God has sent to help you. When there's a storm go ahead and get in the lifeboat. Does that make sense? It's a really negative thing about our culture. And we have to recognize God's overcoming power that we really can trust him because he loves us so much. Um, that the spirit, of, the spirit of God, the spirit of love is, is our inner witness. It is the greatest thing. It is. The greatest of these is love. It is the greatest thing that we could ever tap into. If, if, if you do nothing else, 
study how much God loves you. Because when we open the door to trust wholly and only in self-surrender to Christ, wholly, totally trusting him, his love shed abroad in our hearts takes up residence in our spirits and it brings our souls into harmony with him. It brings our souls into agreement with him. When I was in heaven, he said that to me. When I told him, I, I, no offense, I don't want to stay with you here. No offense, God. He's, even though those were probably really weird words, and I would never have thought of saying those here on earth because I would have thought that that would have been rebellious. You know, I would have. I would have thought that that would have been mean and rebellious and disrespectful. And he said, I'm glad we agree. I'm glad we agree. Because I have a whole lot more that I want you to do. And yet I could have made another choice. Could have. I could have not agreed with God, and he would have allowed that to happen. But that did not mean that my heart at that point would have been harmonizing with his heart. So when we allow that love to transfigure us and transform us, our very hearts agree with his heart. A total soul transformation occurs. And you will not be able to help agreeing with him. You will not be able to help but make it your, but have it, not even make it. You won't be able to help the fact that your pleasure is his good pleasure. You understand what I'm saying? And it's all because we're allowing him to love us where we are. In the state that we are in, and we are saying, God, thank you that I'm lovable to you. Thank you that you see me as loved. No matter what I present. Are you getting a hold of this? In Psalm 37, 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How can he say that? He can say that because he first said, Delight yourself in the Lord. If I am delighting myself in the Lord, my will is connected to his will. My will has been transfigured and transformed into his will, into his heart, because I am delighted in him. And understanding the love of God will turn every thought of yours, every heart motivation of yours into delighting in the Lord. It will be your greatest pleasure to please him. But you won't be doing it out of a, a, a like emotional, mental act. You will be doing it out of a heart motivation, a heart that has been changed. And then we, we, get, we get clear direction. He's the one at that point fighting our battles by his indwelling love in us. 
That's the other thing he told me when I said, man, I don't understand this because, you know, I could have been healed like, like that. I did not have to lay in a hospital bed in intensive care for 12 days. None of that made any sense to me. And he simply said to me, I fought for you. And you know what? That's good enough for me. That is good enough for me. I don't understand everything. I don't know why I was sick. I don't believe in the fact that we have to even be sick. But when it happened, for whatever reason, he fought for me. Because he loves me. He fights for you. Because, and that didn't make any sense either. Because don't we all learn? He already did everything he's ever going to do, and Jesus is sitting down up there. Well, you know what? Jesus stood on his feet when Stephen was being stoned. And if he tells me he fought for me, then I've got something in my theology that I need to change. Yeah, he did everything. Yeah, the work has been finished. But you have a God who's interceding and fighting for you every day. Before going to heaven, I would have argued against that. No more. So simply by trusting him, just trust him. He will give you an inward knowing. He will give you an inner direction. The voice of God will constantly be purifying, a purifying influence that sanctifies everything about you. It sanctifies your thoughts. It will sanctify your actions. His truth, his truth, his truth is translated directly into our soul. Can we be passionate about this? His truth, think about that, directly translated into our souls, and we receive the very attitude of Christ. You get to receive the very attitude of Christ, and it will change everything about us. It will change the help that you can even be to the world out there. Because you must have the attitude of Christ to be that help. We receive his very attitude for every situation. And we get to see things the way he saw them. And we get to respond the way that he would respond. Because we are submitted to the love of God. Does that mean you'll never face pain in your life? No. Jesus faced an awful lot of pain. Not my will, your will. Not my will, your will. And his love transcended it all. And we got a Savior. And and his love in you can transcend everything here in this world and make you a hope to hurting people and bring you hope in your own life and bring you hope for your children. Because what happens is our will, our minds, our emotions, 
get totally reinvented, totally revived into, into loving obedience. It, it, it is totally our desire at that point just to obey him. And that's true revival, beloved. Everyone's looking for revival. And I, 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 every time I hear that word, I think everyone's looking for something out there. So God lo- God's love transforms our heart into holy and completely loving him and changing our entire motivation in life. It becomes our joy to obey him. The mind of Christ comes into us by the love of God, transforming our attitudes into his attitudes and our, our will into his will. It gives us a heart of obedience instead of a heart of rebellion. Philippians 2.5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. That is love fulfilling the law. That's what it is. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' love humbled him into the love of God and as a result exalted Jesus above every other obstacle and sin and darkness that tried to dethrone the love of God. And that will never be done. The love of God will never be dethroned. So if you walk in the love of God, no evil, no darkness, no sin will be ever able to dethrone you or derail you. I can barely move on because I'm so thankful. And it's my understanding that God is so thankful when we understand this. It's really all he wants to do is get his love across to you and to me. It brings him rejoicing. It brings him joy when we understand the love he has for us. So let's be real. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, what would the human factor have done? What would the human self-motivation done? It would have said, torch him. Torch him, God. You can do it. 
you can do it. Smite every single one of them. You see what they're doing to me? You see I'm your son. You see what they are doing to me? Just get rid of every single one of them. They deserve it. Haven't you said vengeance is yours? Well, exercise it now. See that? And what did love do? It said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's what love did. That's what he did for you. That's what we need to do for one another. Love takes no account of a wrong done to it. None. It doesn't take an account of a thing done wrong to it. Love is the greatest of all. Love chose forgiveness over retaliation and vengeance when it could have been justified when a sinless person was crucified for everybody else's sin. So this truly is love purifying our hearts, truly is the sanctification that comes to us through Christ. So when we call on the name, think about this, when we just read the, in this scripture that because he humbled himself, he was given the name above every other name. And we think about that. What are we doing when we are calling on the name of Jesus? We are calling on the name above every other name, yes, the name of exalted above every darkness, the, the name that defeated everything for us. But more than anything, we are calling on a relationship. We are calling on a relationship that we have with the Savior of the world. When you speak the name of Jesus, he comes. He's with you anyway. He's in you. And when you call on his name, you're acknowledging that relationship and everything that he accomplished on your behalf because of his love for you. That's what you're calling on. That cannot be defeated. So anyway, the extent to which we humble ourselves to trust him, the extent to which we trust in him, and then we allow his love to come into us, your will, not my will, is the extent to which that purifying force totally regenerates our mind, will, and emotions, our hearts, right? And it will vanquish flesh in every manner. So after I was done, you know, listening to the thoughts that God had given me for today, he gave me one more little thought. And he said, Lisa Marie, go look up what sanctification means. So I went to the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary because, you know, that's where I always go because they still had God in it. <laughs> Thank the Lord. And that's what we need. And it, listen to what it says about sanctification. I, this is, is incredible. Listen to every single word. Every, listen to every single word. 
The act of making holy. This is the definition of sanctification in 1828. The act of God's grace which we receive by faith and trust in Christ by which the affections of men are purified or alienated from sin and the world and exalted into a supreme love of God. God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. The truth is Jesus. So this tells us that it is a total alienation from the spirit of the world. No longer even a desire to sin left in us because love has purified our hearts into the truth of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's a miracle. That is a miracle that you have been given. And each and every one of us needs to understand that this is what, this is what happens in us. Hallelujah. So, that's what the Lord had me speak about today. And um, I pray it blessed you. We're going to have Celebration Sunday, but before that we're going to take...